Welcome to Centerpoint Church, where we're all about loving and leading people to a life-changing connection with Christ. We're so excited that you decided to join us today, and we believe that no matter where you're listening from, this message will enhance your connection with Christ. We hope you enjoy this message. Centerpoint, what's poppin'? Okay, um, so <clears throat> the Lord woke me up at like 3.47 this morning. And uh, I was like, whoa, it's kind of early, Lord. Um, but I feel like he wanted to do something in the room. It happened at 9 a.m., and I'm going to just toss it out there, too. If you have been diagnosed with stomach ulcers, could you raise your hand? If there is anybody in this room. Boom. It was you. All right. Could you stand up for me? Yeah, if there's everybody that's around, if there's anybody on the patio, you could stand and you could come in the room too, or you guys could handle it out there. Yeah, we just, man, God cares so much about you that he would drop this on my heart to make sure that we pray. And the prayer just simply goes, Lord, we thank you that you are a healer. We thank you that on the cross you bore all of our sicknesses and our infirmities. God, and everything that is not like you that is inside of our body has to bow at the name of Jesus. So, Lord, in this moment, we don't beg. We just thank you for the healing that is existing in this young man's life. Lord, we thank you, and we count it done by faith. You too? No? She's just looking for a seat. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Thank you, Lord, for being a healer. All right, so we all know it's, it's the second week of the year. Hello, 2023. Happy New Year, y'all. How y'all feel about it? Y'all feel good? Y'all excited? We made it to another year. Woo. Okay. Y'all still trying to get there. I got it. I got it. I got it. I feel that. Okay. So we know, we know what we do at the top of the year, right? We start making all these resolutions. We heard that word earlier. There are all these things. We like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. We're like, I'm going to go at it for the year. And we last about couple days, you know. One of those things for me is I've been going to the gym, okay? It's gym. Don't clap. I got to make it till next week. It's not, it's, you know, I'm only eight days in, okay? Let, now, if I go next week, okay, then maybe, all right? If I last till February, March, then, you know, March, three months, then I'm good, you know? Then it's a habit, okay? But uh, yeah, so, so that's what we're doing. You know, we do those things. I feel like at the top of the year, we, all, we got all these plans. You know, I'm going to read this many books for the year. We say a lot of things. And I thought this was the perfect week, second week in January, where we could go ahead and do something that I'm, I sometimes have to do as a single woman because I'm single. <clears throat> Wasn't a solicitation. It was just, it was just <laughs> I was just letting y'all know because it's, it has something to do with what I'm about to say. Okay, you know, because sometimes when you are in a relationship, you, you meet someone, okay? We're not going to say in a relationship just yet. You meet someone, you know, y'all talking. You know, how many people in here married? Wow. Amen. Lord, just keep your hands lifted. Let that grace flow this way, you know? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, okay. So you, you know when you met your significant other, when y'all first start talking, you know, like y'all talking, y'all kicking it on the phone, y'all FaceTiming. Somebody goes, what is this? You know, what are we doing? Where's this going? Okay. You know, for us single people, it's happening very quickly because we ain't got time to be wasting. Okay. What is this? What are we doing? All right. That is called DTR. All right. Brenda, what do those letters mean? Sometimes you get to a point where you got to define a relationship. Okay. 
What is this? And you can't tell me it's not an important part of the relationship because Facebook gave you a status. You, it, it's posted. When people find out what you do, where you live, your relationship status is on there too. So it is an important part of your life. Facebook told us. And we look at all of these things. But I wonder if we looked at this list and I asked you to define the status of your spiritual relationship with God, what would you select? Is it a little complicated? You know, it's the top of the year. We all rolling with God right now. You know, hey, I love you, Lord. It's January. Some of y'all on a fast, reading your Bible a lot. It's January. That's what we do in January. Okay. And then June hits. Is it a little shaky? I don't know. You know, is it an open relationship? I know y'all don't want to hear that, but sometimes we are in relationship with God and dot, 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 fill in the blank. Because sometimes... We don't go all in, but I, I'm, I'm not going to get ahead of myself. So today, we're going to define the relationship. We're going to talk about it. It's the perfect time. It's the top of the year. We all need to take a moment to say, hey, where, where am I really at with God? Like, where, where are we? Last week, Pastor John preached an amazing message. If you weren't here, <clears throat> go ahead and watch it. It's on YouTube. Because we were in church on the first day of the year. We were here. But if you weren't, you know, something, things happen. You could go watch it. In, in the message, he challenged us. He made us say it over and over again. He said, I want to know God. We screamed it. Then we got, we got deep with it. It's like, I want to know God in my family. I want to know God in my job. I want to know God in my kids. You know, we just said, I want to know God. Well, well, guys, what does it mean to know God? So I looked up the definition of no, because I like to know what words mean, because I was shouting it too. And I needed to see what I was agreeing to. <laughs> to know God, when you know someone, when you know something, you have developed a relationship through meeting and spending time with them. To know means to be familiar. So if I asked you, do, do, do you really know God? Or have you just accepted him? Because there's a difference. There, there's a difference. I can say yes to God, but do I know him? Well, today we're we going to challenge that. And, and before you, you, you side-eye my millennial approach to this message, because I called it DTR, I'm a millennial, I want you to know that there are a lot of stories in the Bible where God did a D, he had a DTR moment. I mean, he told Abraham, pack up your stuff and leave everything you know, everybody, and go to a place Guess what? He didn't even say. He said, I'll show you when you get there. What? <laughs> I would like to know now. Or let's talk about Noah. Hey, build a boat where rain is not even a thing. Or what about Esther? Gets her in the palace and then ask her to sacrifice her status for the sake of her people. It, it, it's easy for us to say, hey, I follow God. I'm with him. I know him. And then he asks you to do something crazy like, hey, I'm going to, in your old age, give you a kid, and then I want you to sacrifice me. I changed my mind. I don't want you to sacrifice me. What? What is that? <laughs> and shall we even talk about our boy Job? I mean, God gave the enemy permission to wreck his entire life and said, but I bet you he won't curse me. Sounds like he was checking the status of the relationship to me. <laughs> you take all my stuff, 
still see if I'm rolling with you? I mean, all, everything. Because you think you lost some stuff in your life. He lost everything. All right. So then we go to the New Testament. And, um, you know, the text we're going to start with today, I feel like, is the moment of DTR. I feel like Jesus just flat out asked, you know. Let's go to Matthew 16. So just to give you some context of what happens before this moment, Jesus just takes seven loaves of bread and some fish and feeds 4,000 men and their wives and children. Then after that, these people in the Bible, they're God's people too. The Pharisees and the Sadducees pull up talking about, hey, if you're really God, could you give us a sign from heaven that demonstrates your authority? Because surely seven loaves of bread and some fish feeds over 4,000 people. That's normal. That, that has to be normal. That has to happen all the time. I mean, these things happen back to back. And then Jesus is like, y'all don't want to see it. Y'all, y'all ain't going to get it. The only thing you're going to get is when you figure out who I really am. But then I feel like God, Jesus had a conversation with himself. It was like, hey, they not getting it. But let me see if the people who be rolling with me all the time, you think they get it? And then we pull up to this passage. When Jesus came to the region, this region, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the son of man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Then he asked them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, You are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. If I asked you this question, who do you say God is? Would your response be one that is a reflection of someone else's view of who he is? Or would you give me your perspective, your experience? Who has God been to you? And after you answer, could I see a reflection of your answer in the way you live? Because it's easy to say, oh, God is a healer because he healed me. And then the next time you get a diagnosis, you asking God, where is he? Hmm? Because when I know something, I know it. Period. What I'm experiencing doesn't change what I know. Because because the just, we live by faith. Faith is defined by what I can't even see. So if what I'm seeing shifts what I know, do I really know that? Who, who, Who do you say that I am? So today... You know, we're having a conversation about relationship. So I, I started doing a, a millennial thing. I Googled because next to the Holy Spirit, Google got it on lock. You know what I'm saying? It's like, Holy Spirit, Google, you know? I think they work together, too. I just, the Holy Spirit sometimes be speaking through Google, all right? So I started Googling, you know, what makes a relationship successful? 
you know? What are the components of a successful relationship? And y'all, it was a lot of stuff, okay? It was a lot of experts. It was a lot of self-proclaimed experts. They had a lot of stuff to say. It was overwhelming, actually. And I'm like, with the divorce rate as high as it is, and all of these people have all these thoughts about successful relationships. There's, a, there's something is missing. Something is missing. I wonder if it could be that we haven't aligned our natural relationships. They're off because the one that matters is off. So there were three components I came across that I feel like are interchangeable with our spiritual relationship and they are commitment, communication, and trust. Because without those three things, without all three of them, the relationship is probably not that successful. It's, it's probably not one you really in. You probably got it, but you ain't in it. I got a spouse, but we ain't really together. You know, it's complicated. <laughs> so let's start with commitment. Y'all ready? Y'all with me? All right. So commitment is defined as the state or quality of being dedicated to a cause. A commitment. I told y'all I was at the gym, right? You know, commitment is not, I'm not only dedicated when it's good, okay? Only a commitment can keep me on that little Stairmaster thing when I only got six minutes left and I can't breathe, okay? That's, that's, commitment is, that's, that's, that's fitness, right? Commitment is when that, that, that thing, that stress hits your life, and I don't go pick up that glass of wine. Nope. I, I really, I, I, I didn't come to play today. Commitment is not choosing another thing outside of the person you're committed to. <laughs> Commitment is not... Oh, because being saved is a cool thing to do in the world right now until they found, find out that the true and living God is Jesus and then you're persecuted for it. Commitment is saying, I still serve God. I, I got to let you understand what commitment is because, hey, the world we live in today, it's going to start switching up. And you need to know what you believe and who you believe it and are you going to stick with it even when it's not cool. Even if it costs you your life, and I'm not just talking about the things you like to enjoy, your literal life. If it came down to it, commitment is, hey, you can take this earthly life because I know there's a place after it. That's commitment. Commitment is not giving up because it didn't go your way. Commitment is like, oh, I don't really know. If I rock with Jesus because I asked him to do this thing and he didn't even do it. A commitment is because of who he is. He, he was committed to you before you even breathe a breath. Before you were formed in your mother's womb, he chose you. He made a decision about you. Before the beginning of time, he, he asked himself because it's three in one. He said, hey, y'all, us, me, all of us together. Let's, let's go and make man in our image. God could have chose to make us out of anything. I mean, absolutely anything. He chose to take a part of himself and breathe it into us. And then we jacked it up. And he still devised another plan 
in to make sure we could be in a committed relationship with a person who was already committed to us, even though we were unfaithful. Even though we are consistently unfaithful, he's still committed to us. Even right now, we rolled up, we a little bogus, all of us. We bogus in some area. We are messed up. Bogus means not really that well. You're not that good. You messed up. You jacked up. A little, sorry, it's my slang. It snuck in there a little bit. It's, we, we just, not, not good. And, and a committed father says, even though you aren't good, I still love you just the same. Why wouldn't I want to commit my life to a person who don't change on me? He stays the same. And the issue is we've taken how we inter interact with each other and make it transactional. So then I feel like I got to do something for him in order for him. No, you don't. He already did everything he's going to do in spite of what you, what, whatever choice you make. All right. Uh, Matthew 22, 37. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. It's also the one we skip over sometimes. We real quick to quote, yeah, to love your neighbor as yourself. It is so us, so human. But there's a, there's a commandment that comes before that. It's the first one. Because I don't think you can truly love your neighbor or yourself if you are not first loving God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Your relationships like this are going to always be off if this relationship is not together. Out of this relationship flows this relationship. So if I love the Lord my God with all my heart and with all my mind and with all my soul, I take on his lens and his view and his perspective, and I love you through that. Because if I loved you how you showed up every day, child, you know, you know the person you're sitting next to. You know what it takes to love them. It takes God. It takes God's love to help you love them. You know that y'all don't try to play me. I know. It's okay. Just look ahead. Don't even look at them. Just like, just look forward. Just look forward. Commitment says everything in me loves God. There's another verse that says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Because I need you to also understand there's some action that goes into that, that mouth that you be using to say, I love God. What are you doing that proves you love God? Well, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. Well, what was the first one? Love the Lord your God with all your heart. It's just it's this little circle. It, it works together. It's all, it's all designed to work together. Commitment. And commitment is not being dedicated to what you do for God. Because we, woo, we can do that. Lord, I sing on the worship team. I'm a greeter. I go to church every Sunday, and you're going to get to heaven, and he's going to be like, depart from me. I never knew you. Knew is a derivative of no. And no included relationship. I don't care if you prophesy like you can tell the address, you can tell the names, you can do all kind of stuff. If you do it and you don't know who, how are you going to speak on behalf of somebody you don't know? Be, because I, I don't know where I'm going, but here we are. If, if how? How are you going to do that? How, how are you going to speak on behalf of somebody you don't know? 
even fully articulate a heart. You ain't, you, you ain't, even, you ain't even felt his heart. How, how are you going to speak on behalf of it? And, and I ain't just talking about speaking prophetically. I'm talking about talking to the person that you don't like. How are you going to speak on God's behalf when you don't know him? Say, I plan to be committed, because right now it's a plan. Maybe later we'll make a decision. Say, Lord, I want to be committed in 2023. All right. A pure, uninterrupted commitment to God and his will is the very basis of a proper relationship with him. Next one, communication. The imparting or exchanging of information or news. I love that this word uses to define communication. It uses the words imparting or exchanging. It doesn't just say you talk. You ever been in a conversation with a person who dominates the conversation? And you like, did you really need me to be here? Or did you just want to talk to yourself? Because <laughs> I can't, and you and you doing like, they're talking, you like, I, 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 I. it's like double dutch trying to get a, a word in. It's like, it's like, whoo, slow down. This is, we're talking. And it's funny because we do that to God. Pull up to prayer, we got a list for him. And just dropping it off like he hard of hearing. Like it ain't the same thing we did yesterday. With this long list with never an opportunity for him to respond or for him to lead the conversation. Communication takes two people imparting and exchanging. I love the word imparting because there's, man, there's something that happens. There, there's, there's intentionality there. We both showing up to either give or receive. Sometimes I just need to give adoration to who he is. I need to remind myself who he's been and what he's done. And then I need to just let him talk. Just like, can he say something? Maybe we don't need to say nothing. Maybe he just wants to impart what you need for that day, but you don't know because you showed up talking. Let's look at this next verse. Because I don't want to just... Harp on communicating. I want to show you why communication is important. So 2 Corinthians 14, I started at verse 14. The definition said to impart or exchange information or news. I got that definition from Google and it didn't even know that we are gonna be talking about the best news today, the good news, we got the best news. And communication includes imparting and exchanging news. Wow, who would have known Google is aligned with the Holy Spirit? I told y'all. <laughs> Second Corinthians 14 says, either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive this new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. That's the news, that's the news. So, because of that news, we've stopped evaluating others from a human point of view, perspective. 
At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. How differently. We receive this news, and in this news is a new perspective. It's also a new way of living. There are all these things that happen from this news, but if I only receive this news in this moment that happens at the end of this service and I never get a chance to talk to the person, the God who did all of this, how do I ever start to embody what he's done? How do I ever start to take on this new identity and this new perspective and this new lens if I never communicate with him? Next verse. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and the new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. What are you getting at, Brenda? The whole reason that God sent Jesus was to bring us back into relationship with him. And then after I get into relationship with him, I invite others into relationship with him. So I ask you, how do you invite others into a relationship that you haven't experienced? That, that's kind of tough. I can't invite you to enjoy a restaurant that I ain't never been to. <laughs> I mean, I could, but I wouldn't do a great job at selling it. I could tell you about Chipotle, though, okay? I go there all the time. We are in relationship, okay? <laughs> I could tell you what to get. I could tell you how if you never had vinaigrette on your Chipotle, you're missing out on life. I mean, I could sell it for you. I never been to Cordoba. Heard it's like Chipotle. Never been. I can only tell you, hey, there's this restaurant that's like Chipotle. See, you're not even that interested. <laughs> That's what our lives look like when we try to say, hey, I'm a Christian and we've never had a relationship with Christ. It's not enticing. It's not even real. It's not. You doing all these things for him, apart from him, is not attractive. It's just stuff. It's just you doing stuff. The Bible tells us that God is love, right? There's a verse in the scripture that says, if you do all of these things without love, it's like clowning symbols. It's noise. So life without God, which is love, embodied sounds like noise. Just noise. So all the things that you're proclaiming that you're doing for God sounds like noise. You're not a clear communicator because we don't know what you're saying because it sounds like noise because it's not built on any foundation other than words. Or maybe deeds too, maybe deeds too. This word reconciling, when I looked it up, Greek translated, it means to change completely. So because of Christ, we are changed completely and then we are invited to be ambassadors of Christ to invite people to be changed completely. How are we changed completely? <laughs> Through relationship. Because when I make the decision to follow Jesus, it is then through relationship that my life is transformed. 
and then who I was is very much so not who I am now. That happens through relationship with Jesus. It happens through committing to communicate with him. To say, hey, God, I was doing this thing. It don't feel the right way. What should I do now? It makes, I make him Lord. I make him Lord over my life. I am submitted to him. I don't make a move. I don't think a thought. I mean, I maybe do, but then I filter it through him. And I'm like, Lord, what do you think about this? I run it by him the same way you would do with your spouse. It, 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 they go together. You, how, how could you have more honor for, for the person on earth and not your father in heaven who gave you breath? Y'all with me? We have to be committed to communicate so that we can effectively communicate. It sounds like a gazebo. My English teacher used to call it a gazebo. She's like, what? We have to commit to communicate so we can communicate? It's like, what are you saying? Well, I have to commit to communicate with God so that I can then communicate on his behalf. Because it would be really hard for me to communicate who you are to that person if I don't know you. The only way you get to know the person that's sitting next to you is through an impartation and exchange of information. And then the next time I meet you or I see you, then I have knowledge of you and I can say, hey, I'd like to introduce you to this person. There is an exchange that happens. That's the only way I know someone is by communicating with them. But what does it look like to communicate? It looks like prayer and reading your Bible. And then I learned to develop what his voice sounds like. A lot of us say, man, I never heard God's voice. I, I don't think God speaks to me. God is always speaking. It could be that you don't recognize his voice because you haven't read his word. Because there is a book, lots of them, with a whole bunch of pages with a, different, a whole bunch of different tones, a whole bunch of different, you know, characters, full of how the Lord sounds. So the next time he speaks, you'll go, oh, that sounds like something I read. Must be him. So you want to know how to hear the voice of God? I'm sorry, but it don't start up here listening to us. You better get at home and open up that Bible. Because if you, your relationship is holding on the weight of what come off of platforms, you going to be in trouble. The Bible tells us. He, he tells us what to be aware of in the last days. Because it's going to start getting a little weird. And you're going to be like, hey, that person is saying some stuff. You better read your Bible. You better know what God said. Don't, don't quote me. What did God say? What did God, what did he say? And if you hear somebody say something, you better go home and check. Did, did God, I mean, did, what, what, what did you say that was? You better make sure. You better have your own relationship. Because if you was married, you wouldn't be out in the street letting somebody else tell you. No, you're going to go ask them. I got a best friend. I'm going to ask her. Hey, did you say did you say that? Oh, because I knew you didn't say that because I know you. I know you wouldn't say that. 
I mean, I just wanted to check, but I already know. Because we need to get to that point. We needed to get to that point where we, we needed to check. And now we're like, I know that's not God. Don't align up with who he is. Because I know him so well. Because why? We communicate. There it is. All right. Trust. Y'all rocking with me? It's making sense. All right. Trust is the firm belief in the... What? I can read. I promise I can. Trust. (laughs) The firm belief in the reliability, truth, ability, or strength of someone or something. Can everybody stand up for me real fast? I look so beautiful. Great. All right, now sit back down. <laughs> they needed to stretch. I seen that. See, I knew you needed that. <clears throat> Brenda, what does trust look like? I asked you to stand up. I asked you to sit down. I didn't see one person second guess if that chair you sitting in had the ability to hold you up. Nobody sat down like this. Nobody, nobody. Even when you came in the first time, you just sat in that chair. You, you trusted that it was going to hold you up. You mean to tell me you trust a chair more than a God? The God. Because you for sure sat in that chair. Now you're going to think about it. But you didn't even think. You just said, what is this chair made out of? You just, because I just sat in some chairs and the hands went into worship, okay? And I was on the ground. (laughs) They just, the chair legs lifted their hands. I don't even, that don't even make sense. I'm telling you, that's what the chair did. (laughs) And those experiences of that chair didn't even make me think, secondly, about the chair I sat in. It, It didn't affect it. Because I, I have trust. I I learned to, are y'all wrapping me up? (laughs) You sat in that chair and you didn't, you you didn't, you didn't take a second thought. Cause when you trust something, you just are, you, you just be, you, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't take a second thought. So when you rely, ooh, stop playing. All right, it's, it's throwing me, thank you, sorry. Um, yeah, Whew. All right, so trust, right? You sat in the chair. Let's go to Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. What does trust look like? That. Trust is the same way you sat in that chair sitting in the arms of the one who got you. Because you didn't ask what that chair was made out of, but when God gives you an instruction or asks you something, you'd be like, hey God, what is it gonna look like? Where I'm going, what are we gonna do? What's gonna happen, what's gonna, we ask all these questions. You didn't ask that chair no questions. 
Because not only did you trust that that chair was going to hold you, you trust, you, you trust who center point is. You, you know you ain't ever came in here and the chairs didn't work. So every time you come, you just sit down in a chair because there's a trust built on relationship. So it doesn't even have you question anything about that chair because you know. It's the same thing with your life. It's God. It's God. He gave you your life. So why wouldn't you trust it back to him? So I trust in the Lord with all my heart, the same heart that I need to love the Lord, my God with. And then I have the next verse. What does it look like to trust God? Jeremiah says, but blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. When life gets tough, trust says, I'm planted like a tree. When you have to go without, life says, even in the midst of the drought, I'm planted like a tree. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. Why? Because my trust is not in my abilities or how I'm showing up to this. My trust is in the God who never fails. So because he doesn't fail, I can be rooted and planted like a tree. So I'm committed not to what I do for God, but to who he is. And I communicate, not just so I can talk to God for all the things that I need to know or do, but so that I can develop a relationship and a lens and a perspective on who he is and then effectively reflect that in my life. And through my commitment and my communication, we develop a trust. And over and over again, the more stuff he asks me to do, I have the ability to do it because I built relationship with him. So I, he asked me to do something, I step out a little shaky, and the more we do it, I communicate more and more, and then my trust is solid, and I can be planted like a tree. So rain will come, wind will come, and I'm solid as a rock in the relationship that we've built. So now, it's time to define the relationship. Now we can play. <laughs> it's because I'm a highly music person, and it would have took me somewhere else. <laughs> I had to stop, but now we're here. Because now, now is the moment where we all can define our relationship with Jesus. I, I, when I think about this, I get this picture of a beach. In California, you know we can pack some beaches out. And I love that on the beach, we are all in different places. Some of us are on the shore because we don't really fool with the ocean water. We just like to look at it. That's kind of me. I'm from Chicago. It's like, what's in that water? <laughs> but it's pretty. I love it. Some of us, you know, we walk where the sand meets the water, hits our feet. Get, we're getting in a little deeper. Some of us, we out there. Others of us are way out there on a boat. And that's a clear picture of where we are in this room. Some of us are on the shore. Some of us just getting our feet wet. We're new with Jesus. 
Some of us are deep out there. We are deep in the things of God. And it doesn't matter where you are. He's calling you further. So right now in this moment, I want you to close your eyes all over this room. And this is a moment with you and him. In 2 Corinthians, when you get, keep going, you read in chapter 6. It literally says, I would hate for you to hear about this gift, receive it, and then ignore it. And that's what I'm saying to you today. I would hate for you to hear about what it means to be in relationship with Jesus and just ignore it. We all can go deeper. We all can go further. He's calling us deeper. He's calling us further. And all you have to do is make the decision. Right now in this moment. And if you feel like, man, Brenda, I'm the one that's hanging out in the sand, nowhere near the water. And I feel like today I want to start the first step, which is saying yes to Jesus and making him my Lord and Savior. Because that's the true gift. That's the gift he gave you. And you ain't got to do nothing but open your hands and receive it. Today is a day of salvation. That's what that verse continues to say. And salvation is simply being saved because we all were on our way to die a death that a loving God said, not so. And take my Savior. Take our Savior instead. And so right now in this moment, if you feel like, hey, I want to start at the very start, the beginning. And I want to accept Jesus as my Savior. If that's you, could you just raise your hand all over this room? If you just want to say yes to Jesus. Because that's where the relationship begins. I see you. I see you. I see you. Thank you, Jesus. I see you. One right here. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you. If you could just repeat after me, say, Lord, I thank you for choosing me. Lord, in this moment, I invite you into my heart. And I say yes to you. Yes to you being my Lord and Savior. I thank you that in this moment, I confess that you died for me and on the third day you rose again. And today I am making the commitment to live my life for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Second call is if you feel like me and Brenda I already said yes to Jesus, but my relationship been a little rocky. It's complicated. 
you feel like, man, this year, I'm going to make a commitment to go after God like never before. And if you feel like, man, I, I just want a, a restart, a reboot, just start over and go after God like never before. If that's you, if you can raise your hand wherever you are in this room, I see you, I see you. It's beautiful that the grace of God would not allow us to stay where we are. He is consistently pursuing us. Even after we say yes, he consistently pursues us. And if that's you, if you could raise both hands all over this room. Yeah. Lord, I thank you for every hand that is lifted in this room. I thank you that even this, even a correction, even a calling us higher is a sign of your love. And God, in this moment, we say thank you. And today, God, we choose to be committed to you. And God, we lay down everything that has taken your place in the throne of our hearts. Everything that we've put before you, everything that we've put above you, God, we put it down and we, 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 we allow you back your position in our hearts. God, we repent for putting anything above you. And this year, we make a commitment to go after you with everything that is within us. God, thank you for another opportunity to pursue you like never before. May this year be a record-breaking year because we put you first. Yeah, yeah. A record-breaking year in whatever area of our lives, God, that we would commit to pursue you above anything else. And that because of that, we could live a Matthew 6 and 33 life. God, that we would seek ye first the kingdom of God and its righteousness and everything we would ever need, desired, want would be drawn to us because we chose to lay it down for you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.